Good, and here we are again. We're grateful that you're with us, and uh, we're a hope we're a blessing to you. We always say that. That's always our intent as well. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. We were last Sunday too, and it was about the Lord being with us. He is. Uh, he's with us, and He watches us, and He knows everything. And uh, today we're going to be uh, handling the fact that He's really giving the message to the disciples and to us that we are to trust him, we are to believe in him, and we are to trust in him greatly. So it's John chapter 1, um, it's John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Just let me read this whole text to you. He said, uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. Your version may have mansions. Another version may have rooms. If it were not so... When I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? This classic verse here. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit and your word of knowledge you give to me to speak to those watching and listening. If you prompt me with it, Lord, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. And then uh, you will remind me that you see all of us, but you see me differently. I'm under a greater and a more strict judgment as your preacher, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. In this first verse, uh, Jesus told the disciples, because he, he was able to see their tension, and he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Um, you, you have to know, ask, why are they troubled? They, there's, a, there's a prediction in, in the happening already of a betrayal. Uh, he's talking about his soon departure. He's also talking about that in uh, the soon uh, the crucifixion that's coming and all that he'll be going through. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The word troubled here means shaken or stirred up. It's actually the picture of uh, agitating water in a pool, like taking your finger or a stick or, or, or you know, just really even throwing a rock into it. You're just disturbing it and you're agitating that. Uh, and so they're, they're hearing what he's saying, that he's getting ready to go through in multiple stages. And it's going to be a lot of suffering emotionally and physically and even spiritually as well for all of us because he took on the sin of the whole world. And he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He has this classic line. Uh, there's a lot of people say they believe in God, but Jesus takes it another step further and he says, if you believe in God, then you believe also in me. Uh, he, uh, this word believe here is, a, is the word pisteo in the Greek language. And it means all in. And we, uh, we use that phrase all in that was given to us by a good friend who speaks in our discipleship culture, Dan Greider. And it, 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 it literally is the picture of pisteo faith that I'm absolutely all in. He goes, you, you, you believe in God, but you know, also, also step all in in who, in who I am. 
I uh, he he when he this 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 word believe has the picture of trust with it. It's not just believe alone. It's trust that I am placing my life in His life. So when Jesus says follow me, He literally is saying believe in me, and He's really saying at another level trust in me. And the picture here is that He is all in for us, and He's wanting us to be all in for Him too. So. Not only do we have people who'll just, who will not mention the name of Jesus and they'll just talk about God uh, and they'll say, I, I, you know, I believe in a God. Well, if you believe in a God, then you believe in the son that he sent. And I think that's what Jesus is getting across here. You believe in God. And if you're going to believe in God, then you got to believe in me because he has sent me. And I, I, believe, I, I believe he's screaming that today that to follow me is to believe in me, is to trust me. I'm all in for you. Are you gonna be all in for me? And I just wanna give you the picture of how important this phrase is. If you believe in God, believe in me too. Uh, Colossians chapter one, verse 15, I love Colossians one. The description of Jesus here is absolutely incredible. And I'm just gonna pull one verse from that. Uh, the description of Paul about Jesus is, he is the image of the invisible God, he being Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. So I just want you to get the picture that he's sensing the tension of his disciples. He knows why it's there. It's what he's been talking about with betrayal, uh, the crucifixion, he's leaving them, and he's been prepping them for them. And he's telling them, I know you believe in God, but believe in me and the one who has sent me. Again, Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So how does he calm them down? Well, I think there are three specific ways that he calms them down. And uh, we begin in, in verse two. He's talking about how he calms them down. He said, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places, mansions, rooms, depending on what version you have. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Basically, if it weren't so, I would have told you that it wasn't so, but it is so. One way he calmed them in their troubled hearts is he let them know that they are not alone, that they are not alone, that they are included in the family. And, the, and this is the reference here is that uh, he's, uh, they, it, my, there's place and room in my father's house. This is a patriarchal picture here. It was very common of tradition there that you've got the patriarch or dad. It'd be like, uh, here I am, Julie and I, and I'm the patriarchal dad, and, and uh, uh, Laura and family, Andrew and family would just, we'd add on to our house and they'd live there and I'd just keep making room for uh, the family members until I passed away and then somebody else would take that over. Uh, it's the picture of that if you're in the family, the father, the patriarchal father, is making room for you in that family. I, I just got to escape here. I'm, I'm 60. I'll be 61 next month in July, but I am, I am young enough to remember Audio Adrenaline, which we refer to as Audio A, and they had a song called "This Is My Father's House." Talking about it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. It's a big, big table with lots and lots of food. Um, and it goes on to say it's a big, big yard where we can play football, but that, that's for another time. But nonetheless, it's the picture 
that uh, if you are his children, then you have room in the Father's house. So uh, he's telling them that you're not completely left alone. And then later on in this chapter, he goes on to teach about the Father. Later on, past verse 6. And then he goes on to teach about the Holy Spirit being with them, the Comforter, the one who is alongside them. So you're not completely left alone. Um, uh, he's saying, too, from his knowledge and experience, if this were not so, I would have told you so. Uh, so he's telling them you're not alone, and he's telling them that you're in, you're in the family. You're absolutely in the family. And he said... Uh, it goes along with the scripture where it says in Romans that, that, that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are his children. So the first way he calms them down in their troubled heart is that they are not alone and their family, there's room for them in the, in the, in the Father's house. Uh, are we talking about a reference of heaven here? Yes, we're talking about uh, a reference of eternal life and going on and living forever in eternal life. And I just want to say this to you about life after death and eternal life in the Lord. Um, I'm particularly, uh, I'm, I'm, I love Greensburg, Campbellsville, lived in Campbellsville longer, but th those two areas are special to me. Some of you all from that area watch, and I, I love you, you know that, and I love those areas. I love being from that area, but it's home to me. It's, if, if I've got a base place uh, of where I'm from, it's there. Uh, even though I was born in Illinois. But the picture is, and what I want you to get and understand is that heaven is going to be more home than Campbellsville and Greensburg. It's going to be more home than any place you have ever lived in your life. Why? Because you're in the Father's house. You're with Him. You're part of the family. So He starts to calm them to remind them of that. The, uh, the second way He calms them down is in verse 3, John 14, 3. And I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Um, he, he's not only telling them you're in the Father's house, but I'm going to come back and get you. I'm absolutely going to come back and get you. And not only that, I'm going to welcome you. He says, I will come again and take you to myself. I, I say this in funerals all the time because it's, a, it's an opportunity for people to be able to know uh, this truth. And there's a lot of people that attend funerals that never hear the truth about eternal life and about Jesus himself. And I, I just want to reflect on this for a moment. I've mentioned it before as a pastor. Obviously, I've been here 27 years. Certainly, I've mentioned it before. But I just want to pull some things out of my, my own life uh, that I remember as a little boy, actually, that have stayed with me up until this time. And uh, I remember being in Summersville Elementary School there in the great town of Summersville, Kentucky. And uh, my teacher was Bill Colvin. And many of you all who are watching from that area, you knew Bill. Uh, Bill passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, he was my history teacher. He, he was well, he was my seventh grade teacher. He taught just about basically everything. But and even then, he was going to law school. Uh, to become a lawyer and soon became a lawyer and practiced for the rest of his life. And uh, I remember him telling us and, uh, that we had a history lesson outside of class, and that was to find people who were close to 100 years old or 100 and interview them. And we had, we had, we had script questions for them. When, 
When did you hear your first radio? When did you see your first car or ride in it? Your television and then stuff like that. And my dad knew some people uh, locally and that were close to that age. And we went to see them and I interviewed them and I talked about the script that we had to add the questions that we had to ask them. And uh, inevitably this happened with several people. And uh, after they did all, answered all the questions, they talked about people dying at home. They talked about grandparents dying at home and them, them watching because that's what you did then. Uh, we're talking about a time when the local funeral home was the ambulance service. They would get there, but it, it, it may have taken a long time, but we were thankful because we didn't have anything else like the trauma centers today, uh, the EMS response teams today, the paramedics today. We just didn't have them. Uh, literally, they came and got you and took you to the hospital or the nearest place of care that they could. And uh, so there was no trauma centers. There was really no sedation. People really died at home. And uh, these, these people were telling me, and most of them were women, were telling me about how as a little kid they experienced loved ones dying. And they would say this, can you see him? He's there. He's there at the foot of the bed. He's there to receive me. And this goes right in line with that scripture. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again. It's not only about his second coming. It's about his manifestation of welcoming you. And uh, we'll take you to myself. See that line? And I tell people all the time um, that there's no greeting committee in heaven. We, we, we have them at our churches, but there's not one in heaven. There's only one greeter in heaven, and that's the Lord Jesus. I will come again. And I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. I don't know about you, but I've had my family pass away. I've had uh, dear, dear friends of mine I've played ball with and, and loved and pastored pass away. And one comforting thing to me is, one comforting fact, I won't call it a thing, is that the Lord is there to meet them in their death. He's absolutely there to greet them and to take them. Um, not only am I going to prepare it for you, is another way he calmed their heart. I'm gonna come back for you. And not only I'm gonna welcome you in, into the kingdom. So he's reminding them that you will be with me, he says. And then there's an there's a interaction between Thomas and Jesus. And Jesus, and Jesus says, and you, you, know the, you know the way to the place where I'm going. This is verses four and five. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And I believe Jesus is saying in verse four, and you know the way to the place I'm going, and he's referring to himself. But Thomas is thinking about MapQuest, or he's thinking about uh, you know, using ways, or he's, he's talking about all kinds of things. You know, uh, uh, what's the direction there, literally? What's the direction? And Jesus is rehashing here and he's gonna respond, I am the reaction here. I, I am the way. So the first place he, he, he handles their troubled hearts to give them rest is you're in the family, you're in your father's house, and I'm preparing a place for you. You're not gonna be left alone. The second way he calms their hearts is to remember I'm coming back for you. And not only am I coming back for you, I'm going to welcome you uh, into eternity, uh, just like he did even in this life. And then he ends in verse six, the way he calms their hearts is he says to them, uh, and he's responded to Thomas, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me.
the way was the way and the means by which the church was called. Uh, it wasn't called the church. Uh, they weren't called Christians until Antioch. But even Paul in his writings, they, they were called people of the way, which mean the way of the Lord. And so the, Jesus is responding, I am the way. Not only that, you may be at a crossroads today and you don't know which way to turn. And uh, we got different sides of roads and different directions, but I'm going to give you a hint on how to know which way to turn. I'll always look at the narrow road because Jesus says, my way is narrow. He says, broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way to life. So if you're at a crossroads, you find the narrowest road that you're looking at, and that's going to be the way for you to be able to travel. Uh, that's the way of the Lord. It's not always the easiest but it is the one that is the most blessed that you can ever live in your life. So he says to Thomas, Thomas, I'm the way. He says to Thomas that I am the truth. Truth is a person. Is what Jesus said true? Absolutely. In verse two, he said, if it were not so, I would, I would have told you that it wasn't so. So yeah, his words are true. What written about him true? Absolutely, scripture is truth. But truth is a person, not a philosophy, and not even a concept. In John chapter eight, Jesus even uses the phrase or the, the, the reference to him as the son, and he changes it to truth. Versus, uh, I think John eight thirty two and John eight thirty six. I'm trusting my memory there, but give it a check, you know, look it up where it says, and the truth shall set you free. And then later on, he changes that and says, and if the son sets you free, he will set you free indeed. So he, he, interject, he interchanges his own reference to himself as the son with the word, the truth. Truth is a person and the person of Jesus. And he says, I am the life. He's biological life. Uh, I love uh, during Bible school, Dean Kendrick was our teacher. We had uh, Bible school in geographical different places in, in two counties. And uh, Dean was our teacher where we hosted, Julie and I hosted Bible school in our neighborhood. And uh, Dean was teaching on uh, how, how can we know that God loves us? And he left us with that. And though I wasn't a Bible school student, I thought on that for a long time. And I mentioned that the next night that we, that we met, how, how can I know that God loves me? He gave me life, you guys. Are you listening? He gave me life, biological life. Not only that, he breathed within me a living soul in my life. So he says, I am the life. He's the biological life. He is the abundant life, which is referred to as Zoe life in John chapter 10. And he is eternal life. He's absolutely all of life. And one way that I know that he loves me is that I absolutely have been given life. I want you to see at the beginning how he starts off saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I'm all in, I want you to be all in too. And then he finishes in these six verses by saying, I'm gonna remind you, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. I know that's where you wanna to get to, but the only way you get there is, is through me. Please know that. If you're gonna to get to God, if you're gonna to get to the Father, the only way that can happen is through the person of Jesus Christ himself. I've been choosing hymns here lately, I really can't tell you why, other than they just come to my mind. 
And uh, I don't think the devil's going to give me a hymn to remember. Uh, I trust the Holy Spirit is doing that. And I've just taken a section uh, out of a hymn called Only Trust Him that backs up everything that we're saying here today. And that's how I want to leave that challenge with you today. Uh, here, here's, here's one line uh, or one verse of this, uh, of this hymn. It says, yes, Jesus is the truth and the way that leads, in, that leads you into rest. Believe in him without delay and you are fully blessed. Come then and join this holy band. I didn't say land, I said band. That means the family of God. And on to glory go to dwell in that celestial land where joys immortal flow. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. I believe the same Jesus that said to these people then, follow me, is saying that to me and you today. And what he's asking of us is believe in him. Trust in him. He's telling us that he is all in, in this life and the one that is to come. And he wants you to be all in too. Will you trust him today? Put your faith and trust in Jesus today. And the way we leave you today is we tell you, as we always do, that I love you, we love you, and uh, we say to you always, grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them. Thanks for watching. God bless you.